Welcome to the River City Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message would inspire and encourage you, build your faith, and point you to the life-changing love of Jesus. May you enjoy the goodness of God as you follow him today. Welcome, River City. My name is R.J. Strouch. Uh, My family and I have been attending River City for probably about nine-ish years now. Um, I've been part of the teaching team. I've been fortunate enough to to be part of the teaching team the last three or four years. I've worked uh, with the youth and taught in youth for for many years as well. So it's just a blessing and an honor to be up here. Um, First time in the new place for me. This is exciting. Wow. Um, so, So really just so thankful and so blessed to, to be able to share some words with you today. Um, wow, before we get going, that worship set, I'm always, I'm always in awe of things like just artistic. I'm the worst artist in the world. I can't sing at all. Like that, That's just awesome. And the last words, some of the last things that, that Alyssa was saying, um, don't look to the left or to the right, but just keep your eyes on me. Oh, and that's pretty much my message today, so y'all have a good Sunday. But, but for real, right, don't look to the left or to the right. Just keep your eyes on me through the tough times, through the good times, through the mundane times. Don't look to the left or to the right, but keep your eyes on me. Wow, what a great way to start. Um, so we are, uh, before we get to our confession, I just want to, uh, you know, a couple reminders. Maybe you are aware of this or not, but, but Please just keep your keeping your prayers this week. Um, kids, okay, the children, they just got back from kids camp. They just got back yesterday. They were there since I believe Wednesday. Um, but but keep the you know all the volunteers, all the people on staff that helped put that together. Just you know prayers of thanks and prayers of recharge for them for sure. And then for those kiddos, just that they keep that fire lit as they as they approach school this year. That they keep that fire lit that was hopefully put into their bellies and that they will just be on fire for the Lord. Um, and then we also were kind of smack in the middle. So tomorrow, our youth take off for camp. So again, keep them in your prayers this week. The staff, the volunteers that, again, put that together and are going with them. Um, and and uh, it's going to be an awesome time, but just pray that they really hear that spirit and, and are led um, to do just amazing things. So I know my daughter just got back from, from kids camp and we were driving home yesterday and she's in the back seat. I lost another one, I am free. And I'm like, there you go, that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, we got a kids camp volunteer in the back, heck yeah. So, um, so, so keep them in your prayers for sure. So we are gonna, um, we're going to say our, our confession here, here in a second. Um, but before we do, and, and if you're new here, it's your first time, you're like, confession, what are we talking about here? So, so every week we kind of start ourselves and, and, and kind of ground ourselves in the fact that we're badly broken, but we're also deeply loved by an infinite God, right? Um, and, and so we'll go through that, but, but more than ever, you know, we've been in this series for a few weeks now of no other, right? We've been talking about counterfeit gods, we've been talking about this idea of false idols and other things that we put on the throne of our lives instead of King Jesus. And it's been heavy, right? I know for me, it's been a lot of soul searching. And, you know, last week with Rebecca, the, the successes and the idea that success in an instant can change. What you define as success in just one second can totally be changed. So why not hang our success on what Jesus calls success? And then Jason with identity, 
you know, just always looking to find our identity in Christ. And, you know, I know, again, personally, I'm always looking at other things to find my identity. And it was such a good reset. And then Aaron setting it all up is just what a counterfeit God is and the idea of these false idols in our lives. So it's been heavy is what I'm trying to say. And, and for you, maybe it has been too. So when we say our confession today, more than ever, let's really remember and believe that second part. That no matter how many times we're putting counterfeit gods in our lives and putting them up top, no matter how much badly brokenness we have, that we are loved. So when we say that confession, let's make sure all our neighbors here in Creekside hear just how loved we are. So we are badly broken. We are deeply loved. Yes, indeed, we are. Grace and peace to you. Man, that was awesome. Um, so as I said, we're kind of right smack in the middle. If you haven't seen um, some of the other, other teachings on, on this idea of no other, you know, they're on the YouTube page or on, on, on the web page. Definitely go check those out. Uh, you don't want to miss them. They're, they're really awesome. Um, and, and every week we've been um, kind of setting the, setting the stage with this idea of what even is a counterfeit God. And the teaching team, you know, we kind of, one of the books we studied to prepare for this was Tim Keller's book entitled Counterfeit Gods. And so um, to take the definition that he came up with is probably a lot better than some of us coming up with it because he's a pretty smart dude. So the idea, what, what he comes up with is, um, it says this, anything so central, so this is the definition of a counterfeit God, anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. So no matter where you are in, our, in your journey, right, whether, again, this is your first time in church, first time even hearing about Jesus, uh, or you've been following the Lord for 50 years, Every single one of us struggles with this idea of counterfeit gods. Nobody has it all figured out. So that's, I think, the first thing to understand is there shouldn't be any guilt. It's not like, oh, man, everybody else has got it, and I keep putting this thing up on top. We all struggle with it. We all do, okay? And, and so in knowing that, I kind of struggled on, okay, well, there's so many counterfeit gods, and I know I personally battle a lot of them. So like, which one, what am I, what am I going to do my teaching on? Right. And it came to me in the best place to, to find a sermon, the pediatrician's office. So, um, I have just a, maybe just a touch of white coat syndrome where I get a little bit nervous around doctors and whatnot. Um, even when I take my own children to the pediatrician, yes, a little bit. So I think it was one of my kids was like having to get a shot or something. And of course, I'm not looking away. Hey, you got it, man. Here, good job. Toughen up, buddy. And I'm looking away. And I'm looking at the door of our pediatrician's office. He has all these things on the back side of the door to kind of keep you entertained while you're waiting for him, okay? And um, one of them was a prayer. And I noticed this prayer. Um, and I've seen it a couple times, and the last time we were in there recently, a few months ago, and again, when we were kind of getting ready for this series, I read it again, and man, it was such a gut punch to me. And it really got me thinking about a very sneaky counterfeit God that I know I struggle with, and I think we all probably struggle with at times. So let me read the prayer. It'll be on screen. 
Um, but let me read the prayer, and we'll kind of mush it together to see what, what we're looking at here, okay? So the prayer says this. It says, Father, we confess that we are satiated and bored. Creation has bored us. Work has bored us. Family has bored us. Friends have bored us. Our homes bore us. Television bores us. Redemption has bored us. Truth has bored us. You have bored us. No generation in history has ever had so much to entertain it. We are jaded and cynical. We think the world is our servant, so we're not thankful when things go well for us, and we're not patient when they do not. We believe every desire should be satisfied, so we're not delighted when they are, and we're not humbled when they're not. We laugh, but we don't know joy. We're captivated, but are never really awed. We celebrate, but we don't worship. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Amaze us with grace incarnate, blood-stained, resurrected, messianic grace. Oh, that's a lot, right? But I caught myself reading that, and man, how many times just do we get caught up in this mundane life and the idea of distraction as an idol? We're distracted by so many things in this modern world that it kind of becomes comfortable. It kind of becomes the norm, whether it's the distraction of our busyness, whether it's distraction of the noise, just the noise in our life that seems like it's never ending, or the distraction of technology, the endless and mindless scrolling day in and day out. But it just becomes the norm. And we don't open our eyes to what God has intended for us and the relationships he's intended for us and the world that he built around us. Even in our modern day of buildings and skyscrapers, he inspired someone to have that architecture in mind. We can be awe-inspired all the time, yet I know I find myself caught up in the idol of distraction. So that's what we're gonna kind of look at today. It's a sneaky one, right? It's not the the money or success that I think is a little easier to define, I think distraction is going to mean something to maybe everybody, a little bit different to everybody in here. And that's okay. Hopefully, you can hear something that you can catch on to, maybe realize, and then we'll look at some strategies at the end to, okay, how can we combat this idea of this idol of distraction? And even how can we combat this idea of counterfeit gods in general? So maybe that prayer spoke to you, or maybe you're more of a visual person. I'm an old educator. I like to, you know, different modalities of, of learning. So uh, maybe this visual here will speak a little bit more to that idea of distraction. just busy, staring at phones, walking, no looking. Again, maybe it's like a nice, crisp 65-degree day, day, and nobody's, you know, thank you, Lord, for this awesome weather, just all in there, just busyness. Distractions all around, right? 
I read this, this quote in a devotional one morning, um, and I think it was just one of those kind of devotionals that there wasn't like an author attached, so I'm not going to take credit, but this really spoke to me. Um, and again, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time um, or, or this is your first time in a church, I still ask, like, you know, that, that question, okay, the, the Christian walk, what, what, like, what, do we, what, is, what is the end game? What are we doing here, right? And I know Jason talks about it sometimes. It's not just, oh, we die someday and go up on a cloud and strum a harp, right? That's not what it's about, okay? So this really spoke to me and it clarified, like, okay, the Christian walk, here we go, in a nice little sentence. It says, being a Christian means becoming who God intended me to be. Being a Christian means becoming who God intended me to be. And that's a lifelong process, right? And how easy, and, and it's no wonder the enemy wants to try and use distraction of busyness, of noise, of technology now to try to stop us and hinder us from becoming who God intends us to be. So instead of constantly, you know, scrolling through massive media and worried about the busy schedule and all of that, what if there was something truly new, something truly refreshing we could have? That sounds pretty nice, right? Well, these are the words of Jesus and how he wants your daily life to feel like. So I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 11. It's going to be verses 28 to 30. You've probably, if you've been in church for a while or been in church at all, you might recognize this. But this is the message version. Now, usually when I read, I, I think this is ESV, yeah, NIV. Um, but the message version, I think it's on the app or somewhere. Um, man, this spoke to me. So let's read this and let's see what Jesus wants our daily lives to feel like. These are Jesus' words. So he's talking here. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Think about that video up there. Do those people seem like they were living freely and lightly? <laughs> Not to me at least. And how many times in my life am I just running ragged or find myself just scrolling away and oh my gosh, an hour just went by. What am I doing? He wants us to live freely and lightly, learning those unforced rhythms of grace. That's what he wants our day to day to be. So we're gonna keep coming back to that verse as we go through. But I think I mentioned, you know, I'm an, an ex-educator, right? And I was never one in the classroom to have big surprises, right? Kids are supposed to learn this. Here's what you're supposed to learn. It's not like, you know, you hear kids all the time, we had a review and none of it was on the test. 
Well, my reviews was literally a video where I would just pretty much go over the whole test. And if they watched the video, hey, we're going to be good. I wanted them to know where we were going, right? I want you to know where we're going too. So spoiler alert, there's no magic bullet to the counterfeit gods in our life. But I got that Tim Keller book, and I knew we were going to study through it. I, like, flipped to the end, and I was like, all right, Tim Keller, you're a smart theologian. You're going to have an answer, right, for counterfeit gods. You're something simple that I can just make sure I do that every day, and I'll stay away from those counterfeit gods. There wasn't anything. There wasn't anything. There's no magic bullet. Just like becoming who God intends us to be is a lifelong thing, so is combating these counterfeit gods in our life, and especially the idol of distraction, especially in this day and age. So as we go through this and we look, start looking at some scripture and breaking some things down, we'll talk about some strategies, but just remember, it's not just about a six or seven week series. It's a constant conscious effort that we have to battle these counterfeit gods in our lives. It can't just be the month of July and a little bit of August and okay, I'm, I'm good at, I'm going to keep focus on that. It's got to be a, it's a constant walk every day where we try and take steps forward. Okay. So the scripture we're really going to kind of hang into for a little while today is, um, it's a, a famous parable of Jesus. Uh, it's the parable of the sower. So it comes out of Matthew uh, chapter 13 is where I'm going to be and verses one through nine. Um, and our scripture, you'll see here in a second when we get to it, it, it starts with the words that same day. And I always love, um, I love when there's that same day or something about and then Jesus, because I love to go back and look at like, okay, like what else was happening? Because, you know, the idea of, of the sower is, it's a pretty big story and I would read that if it was alone and just think, man, that's, that's a pretty good day for Jesus. He taught a ton of people and maybe he slept late and, but no. There was a lot more going on that same day. So just to kind of give you the background, the behind the scenes of what else was going on. Um, so this was a Sabbath day. So it was a, it was a Jewish Sabbath, okay? Uh, meaning no work, right? Not supposed to work at all. No healing people, no working in the fields, none of that. Well, his disciples were hungry. They were traveling around as always. They were walking through a field and they picked some grain, Pharisees saw this. They're like losing their minds. They're working. Jesus, your disciples, they're working on, on the Sabbath. Um, Jesus calmed them down a little bit or at least rebutted to them. Um, and then Jesus heals a man. So his disciples are working in the field technically. He's healing someone. I mean, the Pharisees are losing their minds by this point. They even go so far as to say that Jesus is under Satan's power. I mean, that's pretty heavy stuff. So if I was Jesus, I'd be like battling them and then go take a nap. But he decides to withdraw and do what Jesus does best. Teach people. Teach people the, the, the way, right? And so he goes into this parable of the sower. And so let's read that story together here. And it says this. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, 
a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, the other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, before we start breaking down the scripture and kind of how that molds into this idea of distraction as an idol, that last sentence, you hang your hat on that one, again, that's what these weeks are all about. I know, you know, I can sit there next week or I can sit there and, and hear, but am I really hearing? Am I taking it in? Am I understanding the message and then changing how those idols affect my life? He who has ears, let him hear. So keep that in mind as we keep going through this series. Some of it's hard to hear. This was hard to prepare for because I struggle with all of this distraction idea. And so I get that. But have those ears, have that open mind, go to Jesus and let him take care of those counterfeit gods. Okay? So the first one he talks about <clears throat> is um, the path, right? And he says that, uh, he says that, that birds came and ate the seed even before it could even start sprouting, right? Is that the noise in our life? Maybe we have so much noise in our life sometimes that we get the message, we hear the seed, the seed is planted, but it doesn't even, the birds come and peck, 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 and it's gone. Maybe the birds are those people that you work with or in your neighborhood, they're just constantly negative. They're just constantly pecking, 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 stealing that seed before it could even get planted. Or maybe the birds sometimes are even wooing you, right? Maybe they're, what do you need, small group? And you're a great guy. What do you need to go to small group for again? And they're wooing you away from that message, just peck, 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 taking it away. There's a guy in the Bible in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. He had a lot of birds in his life. So Nehemiah, um, he was um, uh, taken out of Jerusalem. He was in Persia. Um, he was working for the king of Persia. And he heard that the wall surrounding Jerusalem that fortified the city uh, had been destroyed. Okay, by fire and enemies that destroyed the wall. And so what he felt God intended him to be was the person to go and rebuild this wall. So he got permission from the Persian king, went back to Jerusalem, started working on the wall, and then the birds came. The people in his life trying to steal away that seed came and telling him, you'll never finish this wall. Why are you even trying? What are you doing? Stop. There's no time. And then other birds came and started stealing the seed, trying to woo him off the wall. Oh, Nehemiah, come on, you've worked hard enough. Come on down off that wall. But he stuck with it, kept focus on God, and became that person that God intended him to be. And remember back in Matthew, when there's so much noise in your life and the birds are pecking away at that seed, remember Jesus' words. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. The second example that Jesus uses is rocks. 
He talks about the rocks and how the rocky soil wasn't very deep and the roots couldn't really form and so the sun came and scorched it out. And to me, again, just personally, most of the time when I'm teaching, I'm talking to myself the whole time, it's technology, the technology in our life of the rocks. Maybe we have good intention, maybe we have the Bible app and we open it in the morning and then two minutes later we're scrolling through Facebook. Or we get an alert from Instagram of somebody made a post and we're scrolling mindlessly. Or maybe it's Twitter is your thing and then oh, a new, somebody's new tweet and now I've got to respond to that and it's on and on. And you have good intentions but then there's just too much other distractions on that device. So, good timing. So, um, oh, I did forget one, and I, man, I've got to give a little shout out to, to I, I don't, I do have a lot of apps, so I don't have TikTok, but, and my second oldest son, he attributes it to TikTok, made some of the best smoked ribs I've ever had like a couple weeks ago. So maybe that was, is one we can pay a little attention to, but. Um, <laughs> But let me give you some, some statistics. Um, you might have heard things like this before, but it's always eye-opening, right, when you hear some of these things. So, so like this. On average, and there were lots of different studies, so I went with the lowest average to give us all the benefit of the doubt. But on average, Americans have a screen time of four and a half hours a day. In 2011, only 35% of Americans used a smartphone. Today, 85%. From 2011 to today, that's how much that's grown. The average American touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Now, hold on, because when I was talking to my family, they're like, Dad, no, no way. But if you think about it, touch, unlock. Touch, send a text. Touch, 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 touch. That's 10 times just to say hi to somebody. So easily, if we're counting every single touch, 2,000 times, over 2,000 times a day. Bank of America found in a study that 91% of people value their smartphone as much as they value their car or deodorant. It's <laughs> a pretty valuable thing there. And here's where it gets... Just in all honesty, scary. And even I, I've got to take a hard look at myself, right? But let's, before I read this last statistic, let's go back to Tim Keller's definition. Remember his definition of a counterfeit God. Anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. So USA Today did a study that found almost half of U.S. adults report they can't live without their smartphones. That kind of sums up the idea of a counterfeit God right there. And I know for some of us in here, maybe this isn't your struggle, and that's awesome. But I know for a lot of Americans, half, according to this study, I mean, it, it's a reality that we face. But remember... What Jesus has for us. And I'll share with you my own struggles with technology. I had, I had to have, it was years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, I had a simple, easy little surgery. Day in, boom, go, day out. But remember my white coat syndrome? 
I was a nervous wreck. I was anxious weeks leading up to that. But instead of going to Father and praying and talking to Father about my, my anxiety and how nervous I was, or talking to my wife or my family that would have supported, no, nope. downloaded Shooty Skies and played a little game on my phone all the time just to take my mind off of worrying about the surgery. So I get it. I totally get it. But remember what Jesus wants to offer us. Instead of that technology, that tool or torture device, I don't know, he says he wants us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And how can we learn the unforced rhythms of grace with our heads down all the time instead of our eyes up looking to him and thanking him? The last one Jesus uh, talks about in this parable is the thorns, right? And the thorns come and they choke out the, 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 the plant, they choke out the crop. Um, and I feel like that's the busyness in our life, the distraction of busyness. That again, maybe we sit here, we have good intentions, and then Monday hits and the busyness just starts rolling in. The kids' activities and the work activities and the trying to battle and climb the ladder and all of that, the busyness just chokes out who God intended us to be. The Mayo Clinic um, did a study on cortisol. Cortisol is a hormone that is released when we're under stress, okay? Um, and busyness tends to lead to a lot of stress for all, for all of us, right? And it says that this too much of this cortisol can lead um, to anxiety, depression, headaches, heart disease, sleep problems, and even memory and concentration impairment. But all those physical things aside, let's think about for a second Jason's message since Easter. If again, if this is your first time here, spoiler alert, it's been about love. Since Easter, we've been talking about nothing but love. And if you have been here, you remember, he talked about love of God and loving each other and all love has been the theme since pretty much Easter. And the Christian author John Ortberg says this though about busyness and love and hurriedness and love. He says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time and time is the one thing hurried people don't have. So the distraction of busyness is keeping us from what God intended, right? To love each other, to love him, to let him love us. But that distraction blocks it out. So fertile soil is the last one he talked about. That fertile soil is needed for those deep roots, those deep roots to make it through adverse times, to keep taking steps forward of becoming the person that God intended us to be. So even in our busiest moments, go back to Matthew. Remember Jesus' words, how he's calling to us. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I can't go back to that message enough. We're not alone in our distraction, though, right? Jesus went through distraction. 
when he was preparing for his ministry and the devil took him out to the desert, there was a lot of distraction in that too. So we're not alone. Jesus understands how distractions can creep in and block out what he intended for us. And really, you know, this idea of distraction, it comes down again for me about selfishness, but also about my neediness. I think we're all needy by default, right? The need to be accepted, the need to compare, the need to live up to expectations, and think about how the noise of people, trying to please those around you and please the noise, okay? Comparing, nothing more than technology to compare each other with, and living up to expectations, the busyness. You're expected to be busy. You're expected. It's just it's the norm of society. Why? We just read what Jesus wants us to have. Keeping focus on that can help keep taking steps forward of becoming who God intended us to be. So remember, I said there's no magic bullet, right? That was that spoiler alert. There's no ta-da moment here. But I do want to go through some things here at the end of just some strategies, right? Just maybe some tools that we can put in our toolbox. Maybe one of them will help you to kind of keep those distractions at bay in your life and keep your eyes focused on King Jesus. So the first thing is identify. Um, it's important, and Aaron touched on this a little bit too, right? But it's important to identify where these distractions are in your life and what the distractions are before we can kind of combat them. So when your mind has nothing else to think of, where does it wander? What does it get distracted by? Is it straight to your phone? When you have free time and there's nothing else to think, is it straight to your phone and you're scrolling? Is it straight to the hundred things you have to do at work? Straight to maybe the drama of a relationship and the birds that are pecking at you? Okay, Insert Jesus into these moments of your daily time. Instead of picking up your phone and mindlessly scrolling through social media, intentionally go through a Bible study. Instead of multitasking to try and get the job done and be the first done, pick one task and go through that and remember who you're truly working for in the first place. Second thing, prioritize. Prioritize. It has to, we have to prioritize if we're going to combat these distractions. An example in the Bible um, of, of making sure Jesus is first is there's a story in the New Testament where John the Baptist and Jesus, they were actually um, baptizing people kind of at the same time in the same area. And John's disciples, all the people are going over to Jesus, and John the Baptist's disciples run up to him, and they're like, dude, all the people are going to Jesus. What are we going to do? And John just tells them calmly, look, he must become greater. I must become less. And if we can just keep that mantra in our head of prioritize, he must become greater. I must become less that's going to keep those distractions at bay. I know it will for me because my distractions are all about selfish reasons, just personally. He must become greater. I must become less. Prioritize that relationship with Christ. The next one is spiritual disciplines. So spiritual disciplines, um, 
they're tools, right? They're tools to keep stepping forward on that way and becoming that person that God intended us to be. I'm not very handy. I'm not very handy at all. Uh, my dad, my father-in-law, my neighbor, they can all tell you how unhandy I am because pretty much anytime something goes wrong, I'm calling one of them with the house like, hey, can I borrow this? But a few years ago, um, a few years ago, I inherited a big set of tools from my grandfather. My grandfather passed away. Um, he left these tools. Um, they were in my dad's garage. My dad's an electrician. He's got more tools than he knows what to do with. And he asked me one day, he's like, hey, do you, do you want these tools? It's like four big old toolboxes. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take them. Um, and I found, since I have these tools at the house, I'm a little bit more handy at least because I have the right tools. And the same thing in our Christian walk. When we're trying to take steps forward to the person that God intended us to be, having the right tools is a big thing. And so I'm going to share just two tools that help me sometimes. Again, I, no, one, no one's got it all figured out, but these help me to stay focused and prioritize. The first one is, um, and I always give this a shout out whether I'm teaching in youth or here, but it's, it's an app. I know, technology, but get an app. Um, it's, called, it's called Through the Word, okay? Through the Word, it's, it's a Bible app, um, but it's a pastor in your ear and then a message. So it's a chapter of the Bible a day, a pastor gives you the background of it, breaks it down for about eight or nine minutes. Love it. It's awesome. It makes it, again, I love kind of the behind the scenes of the Bible and what's going on and give you some ideas to think about. It's a great way. If you're like me and you struggle with Bible reading, uh, because, again, you open some of this and it's like, makes you go cross-eyed, through the word is awesome because it really helps kind of break things down and, and walk you through some of the scripture. So there's one. And then the second one, if you're, if you're old school physical type of Bible person, life application Bible. Um, uh, he's actually a pastor, but a guy I coached with gave me this, sheesh, 20 years ago probably. Um, and it is great tool as well to, to make you more handy in your walk with Christ. The Life Application Bible, it's a regular Bible, it has scripture, but then underneath it has, again, kind of teaching points almost, or breakdown of maybe historically what was happening at that time, or it gives you, again, the behind the scenes, or little points to think about. Um, it really is a great companion and a great tool to put in the toolbox. So, spiritual disciplines. Next one, bring Jesus. I said earlier I teach in youth sometimes, I love teaching in youth. I love teaching in here too. Don't get offended. Um, but um, in youth, we, it's a conversation a lot of times, right? It's not just me uh, talking for 30 minutes. Usually I'll have them do something. I'm sure they love an assignment, right, when, when they're not in school. Um, so I'll have them, like, do something, and then we'll share out, and we'll talk a little bit about it um, because I love to hear their voice. They have a lot of awesome things to say. And so I was kind of um, workshopping this over with, with youth a few months ago, and we were talking about counterfeit gods, and we were brainstorming some ideas, okay, well, how can we combat the counterfeit gods in our life? And this one gentleman raised his hand, he was like, well, just bring Jesus. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He said, well, like, I love to hike. Um, and so when I go out on a hike, I just, I stop for 30 seconds, and before I go out on the hike, I just 
thank Jesus for the beautiful scenery and the awesome nature that he created and that I'm able to go out on this hike. So I just bring Jesus into the things that I love to do. I'm like, man, you got to figure it out. That's pretty awesome. And it sounds simple. But how, how many times do we go and do the things that we love and we're not bringing Jesus along for the ride? So bring Jesus. You love to play shooty skies on your phone? Spend 30 seconds saying, Lord, thank you so much for inspiring some app developer to make this game that I love. You're an awesome God. Help me get to level 20 today or whatever it is, right? But for real, we can bring Jesus into all these moments with us. So bring Jesus. I like that one. Thank you, youth. Um, Two more. Take five. Take five. This is a great strategy um, that I think can kind of ground us in keeping our focus on Jesus and keeping those distractions at bay. So when we find ourselves distracted, maybe we started that scrolling or we've, you know, uh, the, the, the birds are pecking at us and, and all that things, the busyness, right? Deep breath. Just ask yourself these five questions. Will this matter in five minutes? Will this matter in five days? Will this matter in five months? Will it matter in five years? And does this matter to the five most important people in my life? Take five. If the answer is no, well, then maybe we shouldn't stress over it, right? Maybe we shouldn't let that cortisol build up. Maybe we should put the phone down for a little bit and go interact with people and see the world that God has intended us to see. So take five. And the last one, I love this one, right? It feels like a little bit of a cop-out, but perseverance. It just takes perseverance. There's no magic bullet, right? It's a baby steps every day to keep those distractions at bay. Not one person in this room has it all figured out, right? We're all in this together. But keeping that perseverance, getting those spiritual disciplines in place, take five, all prioritize all of them, will help us to become more and more the person that God intended us to be. I love hoops. I love basketball. I'm an old basketball coach. And Tim Duncan's my favorite, favorite player. He just, he just did it, right? Like went out, fundamental, boom, just did his job. Uh, and he says it like this. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Isn't that kind of the Christian walk in a nutshell? Especially when we're talking about counterfeit gods and this idea of distraction. And some days it feels like, oh, I'm never going to make it. Keep taking steps forward. Don't lose heart. Have that perseverance. Good, better, best. Don't let it rest. Don't get discouraged. Keep taking steps forward. Because as we walk through this, we're going to be shaped and molded into something, right? And the more we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and not to the left or to the right, the more that he can mold us into that person that he intended us to be. So this week, as you're scrolling through, or the noises of life is too much, or you feel that the busyness is just crushing you down, 
Go back to the basics. Go back to what Jesus said in Matthew. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for, wow, just an opportunity to, to be together in, in this space and just to learn more about you and, and to love on you and to let you love on us, Lord. Lord, when, when the distractions of life try to creep in and sneak in and, and steal who you intend us to be, Lord, just help us to, to combat those and keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Gosh, we love you. We just thank you for your message. Thank you for your word. Um, help us to, to be there for each other in these tough times when the counterfeit gods seem to just be coming from all angles. Help us to focus on you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for our blessings. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. River City Church is all about experiencing and expressing God's love in our lives and community. And we hope that you've been able to experience that today. As grateful as I am that you've spent this time listening in this morning, this podcast is no substitute for full participation in a local church. I love it when River City people listen to other pastors, but it is those who show up week after week, faithfully giving their support and time and resources that make all of this possible. If we can help you get connected to a local church, pray for you, or support you in any way, click the link in the description and let us know. If you'd like to financially support the ministry of River City, click the Give link on our website in the description. Don't forget to subscribe, and don't forget to share this with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. May the Lord bless and keep you in all grace and peace.